Hey everybody, welcome back to another Timmins podcast. I'm your host Timmin and this is my podcast. Man, I've got a great conversation ahead. I mean, I've I love having conversations and um, I've had a I've had a lot of awesome conversations and today is no different. Today I got to sit down with Matt from mattbuysindianahouses.com. Uh, but before we get into that real quickly, let's talk about today's sponsor. Uh, today's sponsor, we're sponsored by Quiet River Massage and Revival. Jasmine is a massage therapist in Syracuse, Indiana, and um, she does amazing, amazing work. So let me just tell you really quickly, I had some knee issue problems, so it hurt to walk around with my knee. And so I went to Jasmine, and guess what? She massaged my knee. And guess what? feels much better. <laughs> so she's a miracle worker. Um, she knows what she's doing. She knows all the different uh, muscles, how they're all tied together, all that fun stuff. So yeah, if you have an injury, if you have stress, if you're tight, come talk to Jasmine at uh, Quiet River Massage and Revival. Links in the show notes below. So thanks, Jasmine, so much for sponsoring today's episode. Let's talk a little bit about Matt. Um, shout out to Matt. He, I had a great time talking to him. He's got such a cool testimony. Uh, he's doing some really cool stuff. His story, just how he like grew the business with sweat equity and all that stuff is amazing. So for sure, uh, check him out at uh, mattbuysindianahouses.com on Facebook as well and enjoy this conversation. Thanks, guys. See you on the next Timmy's podcast. Bye. Welcome. <laughs> What's up? Hello. We made it, man. It's me. I'm here. <laughs> Dude, uh, I asked even talking before this, but it, you know, you've just been coming to mind a couple times and I'm like, I need to reach out to you. And uh, I, I don't know exactly why, but I see your stuff everywhere and I'm excited that you're on the podcast, bro. So welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Happy to be here. I don't know if I should look at you or the camera or a mixture of the two. Yeah. So we'll figure we'll figure that out. Maybe. You you go wherever you want. And if you're looking one way, I'm not going to be mad. If you look the other way, that's totally fine. So to maintain eye contact. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to be here. So it's an honor um, to to be here. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited to get into whatever you have that you want to yeah. talk about. And yeah, yeah, I don't know where you normally start, but let's let's start with just letting people know who you are sure. and uh, where you're from. That's sure. pretty easy. Okay. Yeah. So my name is uh, Matt and uh, my company is mattbuysindianahouses.com. And where I'm from, I was born in Kalamazoo, Michigan, but I was raised uh, right here in Goshen. So it's where I spent most of my life. Went to school uh, in Goshen, graduated in 2009. Mm. Um, tried a little bit of college, realized that wasn't for me. Yeah. It was more of a into the sales and business and um, yeah, after a few years of slaving away at the factories and killing myself, I realized there's got to be a better way, and um, that's how Matt Buys Indiana Houses was formed. That's awesome. When did you start the this company? Yeah, 2017. Wow. In May. Wow. Yeah, so we're going on almost seven years. That's awesome. Yeah, yep. just to see the growth and to take that leap. Were you in the factories beforehand? As we said, like, yeah, just factories up until the point where, like, I'm ready to do something else. Yeah, no, that's a good question. So, um, I, I got my start in sales actually doing Cutco knives. Oh, yeah, you're familiar with that, yes. but um, that's so a I, real sales experience. Yeah, holy cow. <laughs> so, I, I started doing that uh, in 2009. Really, I was getting ready to graduate. I saw an ad in uh, the school paper, mm -hmm. and you know, it was. Uh, it just said, you know, get paid 15 bucks an appointment or something. And I was like, man, that sounds easy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Even if you don't sell anything, they got, they wrote me in. They were good sales, salespeople there recruiting me. But um, yeah, and I wasn't a salesperson at all. I was actually somewhat introverted. Um, and yeah, I just went in, started doing it. It was a really good product and found out that I actually really enjoyed talking to people, working with people. And, just learned a lot about sales business. I ran an office for them as well. Wow. Um, so did some management stuff and uh, found out I was a lot better at the sales side. Went back to that and 
Yeah. Um, it's a little easier. You don't have to manage everyone and push them and you can actually go in and have a relationship with the customer as opposed to like, I don't know, herding cats, <laughs> you know, it's, it's difficult, you know, especially being a type A personality, you want to be able to control the situation that you're in mm-hmm. and it's a lot easier to control it when you're the only person you have to be responsible for. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so did Cutco for quite a while and then um, had some different personal issues, things I went through. And um, I actually lived out of the area at the time, moved back, um, worked at a factory uh, for a few years after that. Yeah. Um, Got a taste of the real Goshen life. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's nice that you jumped out of factories before, like you, you made your exit before kind of everything started to go down. You know, a lot of times people make their exit when they realize the money's not good, things aren't going good. You know, I'm, I'm only working now three weeks out of the month or whatever, four days out of the, you know. the. So you made that exit. I mean, 2017 is a little bit different than where we're at now, I feel like, though I know RV industry swells and mm-hmm. it expands and contracts, but that's cool that you were able to see, you know, let's go out now. Yeah. You know? really important to do that yeah no i had uh i was just working on the line while i was listening to podcasts essentially and i I would just go home and actually working for my younger brother at the time who was um i don't know what he is six years younger than me so that was pretty uh uh yeah learning humility and listening to podcasts while i was you know working for him and just like putting in overtime on both sides and yeah i just really self-taught myself through podcasts and books over a few months and eventually i um did a couple deals had them under my belt and yeah said i'm gonna jump in so you're doing this while you're working factory as well right wow yeah. okay so you were doing your whole you're straddling both worlds and you're like, mm-hmm. okay let's go yeah. let's go this way dang okay that's awesome man yeah yeah it's exciting so i mean when i started out i was actually uh I was doing wholesaling. Hmm. Um, so I get that question a lot. Like, how do you start? Um, if you have no money, if you have, cause you get both sides. You have some people who say, Hey, I have money. Um, but I have no time. And other people that say I have uh, time, but no money, which is more often, uh, what happens. Um, so how I started out was wholesaling. Um, I just did a, a marketing. I remember the, the first thing I did was, uh, sat in my living room and hand wrote just the little bandit signs you see on the side of the road. Yeah. Sell my house, um, for cash, whatever. Couldn't even read half of them and just stuck a hundred of them out, <laughs> super hot out. And, uh, yeah, it was, that's uh, was ground marketing, dude. That's great. Sweat equity for sure. Yeah. So started generating some calls and just went out and met with people. And, uh, I just told them, and prior to that, I guess, to jump back, I had built up a list of buyers. I had contacted a bunch of people who had no way to find properties other than the open market, MLS or auctions. And yeah. said, hey, if I found a house, you know, under market, would you be interested? And then the people would call me and I would go out and meet with them and talk to them. And I would say, hey, um, I've got a list of people um, who are interested in purchasing you know, property, you know, I myself am not going to be the, the buyer, but we'll give you this price for it. Hmm. And these were people who couldn't or didn't want to sell on the open market for whatever reason. Yeah. When there's fees and it gets a little complicated, all that stuff, there's, it mm-hmm. makes sense. You're kind of like, you're middlemaning a bit. Yeah. Right. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. No. And they're, uh, so yeah. But you're connect. you're, you're connecting. Essentially. Yeah. That's connecting. the big piece. Yeah. yeah. Connecting those two people together uh, was was how I started. And a lot of people, estates, or maybe there's a tenant in the house and they don't want to show it, they don't want to list it. A lot of people who've had bad experiences with real estate Mm -hmm. agents or people who just want it done fast. That's the other thing. They're like, hey, I need this done in seven days. Wow. And it's like, that's not possible if you're going through the traditional route. Right. We had to get people to come look at it. You have to do all this. Yeah. So we, okay. Um, you, 
I have a couple questions, but sure. maybe I can ask you after, unless you're done with the train of thought. Yeah, no, no, I'll finish it up real quick. So, yeah, that was basically it, adding the value. We could close fast, pay cash, and be done, and then I would just take that contract to the list of buyers and say, hey, are you interested in this house for 5000 bucks more, 10000 bucks more, Yeah, whatever. Um, and yeah, so did that for a couple of years, saved up the money to where I could just start buying them all on my own. So in about wow. 2019, I started uh, just purchasing them. Wow. That's awesome. So, okay. A couple questions. Mm-hmm. Did you have to have a real estate license to do this? No. So that's a great question. Um, sometimes a real estate license can actually hinder you in a lot of ways because then you have to disclose that. Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds kind of surprising, but a lot of the reason you get a lot of people that the reason they want to go this route is because they don't want to work with realtors. And there's a ton of awesome realtors out there. So yeah. like, don't take it the wrong way, but there's also, everyone's a realtor. Like if you ask anybody, they're <laughs> like, yeah, my neighbor's a realtor. Yeah. You know, the guy who walks my, my dog's a realtor. Da- seven month yeah. daughter. She's a realtor. Yeah. It's <laughs> easy. Anybody can be a realtor and anybody is, maybe they only do one deal a year or only one ever. Right. And these people just kind of, they don't know what they're doing and they've put these people in some tough situations. So when you're a licensed realtor, it can actually make it more difficult because you have to disclose that and they're like, Hey, I don't want that. You know, I just want the easy, yeah. fast way. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's cool to hear. You know, um, my other question is you go into a house, mm-hmm. how are you valuing it? Like, yeah. cause maybe some of the reasons why a realtor is there is, some of that precautionary thing of, um, you know, the foundation's not good or the septic's mm-hmm. bad. Like that stuff gets checked out. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming when they're doing the sales, right. Mm-hmm. They have to have some guy come in and take a look at it. If you're kind of bypassing that, are you going in and I'm talking maybe, you know, back in 2017, right when you sure. started, how do you know you're going in and getting quality or is there some burning that happens or just mm-hmm. the knowledge of doing it over and over again, you start to gain that knowledge mm-hmm. or how did, how did that look? Yeah, no, it's a good question. And and that actually to circle back a little bit brings up another good point because a lot of those people who want to sell, but aren't able to traditionally, it's because the foundation is bad. Yeah. It's because the septic is bad and they don't have money to fix it. Right. And they know that someone who's buying it with a loan a bank's not going to finance it. Right. The foundation's caving in if the septic's failed. So, and they're unable to, but no, that's a good question. So, uh, you know, I really know nothing about fixing houses even to this day. Uh, but I just printed up, uh, some sheets offline. It's two pages and it just says, here's roughly what it costs to install a window. Mm. Here's how much per square foot flooring is. Here's how much a septic is. And I just called around a couple septic places. Hey, if I had one, how much would it be? How much would a well be? Yeah. You just write that stuff in. And then I would just take that sheet with me to every appointment and I would just make notes. Okay. It needs this. It needs this. Total it up. This house needs 30,000. This house needs 40,000. Yeah. And I had a realtor who helped me. Um, Shout out Brad Beer. uh, Awesome realtor. And uh, he ran comps for me. He would say, here's what the house is worth fixed up. And then I would just back out from there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it. that's really cool. Yeah. Cause then did you ever get burned? Like <laughs> after asking that question, you know? Yeah. No, that's a great question. So, I mean, I don't know if any house that had a septic, we would always inspect it. Mm-hmm. So whether it was, prior and someone else was buying it, we would still pay for the septic inspection up front. I mean, yeah. we, I would always tell people that, hey, I'm going to pay for all these inspections up front and we're going to see what's going on before we move forward. And if they did fail and for some reason, you know, there was an issue that was just the cost of doing business, unfortunately. Yeah. But well, um, you would say, okay, well, because this failed, we're going to deduct whatever my offer was X that out now because I have to fix all this. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it went both ways. There were some where it was like, Hey, even if it does fail, we're good no matter what. Mm. But, uh, like in St. Joe County, for example, you have to, um, you know, present an exam or at least you did at one, um, point, uh, on whether it passes or fails, but it's like, Hey, even if it does we're good, but there were, but that did happen at times. It's like, Hey, we're agreeing to this price, but 
if the septic fails inspection, right, we have to reevaluate. Um, so in that sense, I didn't get burned because we would always know yeah. what was happening. Kind of out claws in case yeah. something, yeah. And with a foundation, you can kind of tell what's going on. I mean, you yeah. can see if a wall's bowed or if it's fallen down. I mean, if I really had to, and I. I would just say, hey, I'm going to have somebody come look at it. And I would call Ruben or someone mm-hmm. and be like, hey, what's going on with this before I would make an offer? Because doing things with integrity was extremely important to me. And I was never going to make an offer to someone that wasn't going to be honored. Mm. So I was going to be 100% sure uh, on where I needed to be. So and That's crossing your T's, dotting your I's, making sure everything's clear before mm-hmm. you. Wow. That's crazy. So you started some calls in, started doing this, and that, that allowed you to understand kind of how probably everything worked a little bit. You're in the system, you know, you're doing the marketing, the sweat marketing, you're doing the inspections, you're growing, you know, you know, this amount of sales, this amount of buyers, and now you have enough to buy your own house. What's the <clears> process <throat> look? I'm, I'm guessing that 2019, that switch happened, mm-hmm. you said. Is that similar to what you're doing now? Yeah. Okay. So what's, what do you do? What's, what's that look like now for you? Yeah. So, I mean, the process is essentially still the same. You do the marketing, people call you, you go look at the house, you make an offer, Hmm. you buy some, you don't buy others. Um, But instead of taking that contract to someone else, um, now you're just buying it yourself. So it's that part, really everything stays the same. Um, Just on a smaller, bigger scale, you know, when we first started, I didn't have a whole lot of money. I was sending letters through the mail, you know, putting signs up, you right. know, just sweating away whatever I could. Um, where now we run ads on TV, uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Google, and yeah, we just more so do that type of marketing, yeah, versus the sweat uh, marketing, and and also all those other things are so much more competitive now than they were in 2017. Yeah, um, is there a lot more signs you're seeing out? When you're a lot, I mean, I get two or three letters in the mail a month, I would say, from mm-hmm. like, oh, someone, oh, no, this is just a, they would like to buy my house for, a, you know, I mean, <clears throat> I, I see that a lot more than I've ever seen it before. So I think you're right. There's a lot more people lit, writing letters and putting mm-hmm. signs out there. So you've elevated a little bit to go more digital. I mean, we talked about the billboard. Right. I saw your billboard, things like that. So. Yeah, we just really wanted to differentiate ourselves. Yeah. And, um, you know, I wasn't the first person to send a letter or anything. Yeah. So I'm not saying that. But at the time I was doing it, those first few years, it was maybe me and a couple other people. Right. And then, you know, this whole thing kind of, real estate kind of got more and more popular. People started coaching and doing all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So now you got people from California and people from wherever, Florida, all these types of places, sending letters in the area and just flooding it. And I said, it was just kind of time to make another pivot because I had to differentiate myself from these people because they were not, you know, I know how I want to say, like, try to say things nicely, but yeah. This is where we'll put that black bar with the (laughs) (laughs) asterisk Um, when you say whatever you want to say. Yeah. yeah. No, it's just that these people were, you know, I can honestly say in almost seven years of doing this, you know, out of several hundred properties, not one time have we ever signed a contract and not performed on it. Hmm. And what people do now and what I mean, some people were doing then, but not really. Um, what people are doing now is they're sending letters, doing whatever, cold calling, texting people. They're getting you to sign a contract at whatever price. They don't care because yeah. they're located who knows where. And even locally, people do this. But And then what happens is they try to go pitch that contract around to a lot of people. And if it doesn't work out, they just say, oh, sorry. Hmm. Uh, you know, there's a clause in here that says we can get out quick. Yeah, we're, if we we're, need to. we're if we don't want to do it, we don't have to do it. Yeah, and that was just making everything look bad. Oh yeah, these people don't have a Google My Business. You know, these people don't have Better Business Bureau. You know, these people right. don't have anything. Facebook reviews, or right? What, yeah. So I said, how do you know what do we need to do to separate ourselves? So 
just really wanted to focus on our integrity and brand because that's what we had already built. Yeah. And, you know, why are we doing the same thing that all these other people are who aren't truly buying the houses? You know, what are the people buying the houses doing? And it's not just me. There's other, there's two or three other probably investors who do direct to seller marketing and purchase. And I was like, what are they doing? Well, they're on TV, they're on Facebook, they're on Google. Yeah. So that's the kind of the move you want. Yeah. Make. Well, it makes, I, I feel like you do a really good job of your branding. You know, you've got, you've thought through that. I mean, your blue uh, color is very, I don't know, it just pops out every time I see it, that blue shirt that you're wearing. And uh, you kind of really thought through that stuff. Um, and so that's cool. How do you, how do you differ like set yourself apart, especially if, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, when I say used car salesmen, people have this connotation, but there's people who sell cars who are great <clears throat> individuals doing it with integrity, but you got that stigma. So how do you get out of that stigma? Not saying that there is a stigma sure. on the buying houses, but I think there is recently. Yeah. Yeah. Now. I've, Cause I'll get a letter that says, they'll tell me exactly what they'll pay right away. And I'm like, well, you don't even know what my house is. Right. Well, oh yeah. And then yeah. what happens is those, you know, I'll, I'll go to that same house and make them an offer and they'll hold up a check. Like, well, this person's going to offer this much. I'm like, yeah. okay, I'll call you in two days. And then that person will come out and they'll be like, well, I'll give you that much, but I'm going to put 1% down and I'm going to pay you 500 a month you know, for a hundred years, yeah. whatever, you <laughs> yeah, know, it's just, yeah. it's just some ridiculous offer yeah. or for cash, I'll give you 50% of what you know, yeah. that paper. So it's, yeah. But to, to answer your question on branding, like, what do we do? I, I remember listening to a podcast and, um, there was a guy on there who was a car salesman. That's what brings it to mind. And he sold a ridiculous amount of cars, hundreds a month. And they were talking about like how do you how do you do that? And he said, well, the stuff he's involved in, like he truly had a heart for giving and charity, taking care of other people, treating people right. So first thing he did was, you know, everybody who came in, he was giving them a great experience. Mm. It was low pressure. You know, we don't ever push people to do anything. You know, whatever people want to do, sell to us, sell to someone else, don't sell at all. It doesn't really matter. We want to provide a great experience for them so that they tell others, they give us great reviews. And it's also just really important to us to be involved in the community. So we do uh, a lot with different local charities, uh, ministries, and share about that as well. So we have a lot of different circles uh, that we're involved in and and that we... Yeah, that's a really good way to do to connect with. I mean, those ministries are impacting a lot of other people's lives too. So that totally makes sense. Hmm. Like I plug into that. Yeah, a real good experience, man. That's that's a really key piece because you lose that, and then you know, and how many times that you know someone has a great experience but they don't post about it, but every time someone has a negative experience, they're immediately posting about mm -hmm. it. You know, so it's like I think it's every negative is ten positive. Or something like that, you know, there's 10 positive people, but then one person has a negative. But you'll see that negative, hmm. and it's the same weight as 10 positive. I don't know. Something yeah. Like that. No, one positive is 10 negative. I don't know. There's some, <laughs> some conversion, right? I gotcha. But, yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. And I mean, we take pride that we don't have a single negative review anywhere. Yeah. Now, um, I think we're awesome. like 4.9 on Google because. You know, there's a couple of people on there who local traveler or local guides. I don't know if you've ever seen that. They'll I'll, yeah. I'll look and they're like three stars. Never been here, but blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. and then you look on their other stuff and they're just yeah. Anyways, three stars down there. No, but what it comes from, and this is kind of funny, is we are so accessible on the internet because we don't we're out there. We we want to be seen and we don't have anything to hide. That what happens is people who like cold call and text and do these things. Um, they don't have any online presence. So what happens is, um, you know, these people that they've angered by constantly contacting, do not call, all this other stuff, will get online like, man, I got to let this anger out. And they'll find us or not even – I see this on other legitimate investors' profiles where they're like, stop calling me, stop sending me mail. And the only couple bad reviews we have are like people like that. And it's like – we don't send mail. We don't call people, you know. So, but like they, these people just hide behind, right? You know, whatever. Their and keyboard. They don't have a physical presence. Mm -hmm. You don't know who they are, and then they're directing them towards you. Then the cuss to the people that they're going after. They're 
they get offended and then they're like, they just got to let the rage mm-hmm. out. Yeah. That's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but just yeah. the cost of, that's the world you're in, you know, that's, that's, that's. So, all right, let me go back to my original question. So you now buy the houses outright. Do you do anything else? with those houses? Like, will you renovate them? Do you rent them out? Or are you then just finding, do you still have a list of people that you sell to? Yeah. No. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So now we do uh, one of a couple different things. I mean, the first thing we do, and that's what we do the majority of the time, is we uh, clean them out. We have an in-house cleaning crew. Nice. um, Landscaping, you know, fix the foundation, fix the septic, fix the roof, and then we'll sell it to the investor. So we always sell on the MLS. So, I mean, we list everything with the realtor because, I mean, we're buying it cash. There's no point in trying to go off market to somebody because by putting it on market, you could be reaching the neighbor Mm. that, for whatever reason, wants this house. Right. Um, That makes sense. Yeah. So that's the majority of what we do. And then the second thing we do would be to just flip it, like go all out, fix it completely. And, And we do do that. Uh, and then the third thing would be rentals. So mm. we've got a handful of rentals as well. What? How do you make that decision? You're probably just when you go in case to case basis. You're like, yeah, this little location. Of- yeah, is a big one. That's number one. And then the second thing would probably be the amount of work that needs to be done. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just the nature of our business is we're dealing with distressed houses and distressed people, and a lot of times those are in not the most desirable places. Yeah. So they just don't make sense to fully renovate. Yeah. You know, we'll sell it to the guy who wants to have a rental property in that area or the homeowner that wants to buy them. Yeah. You know, we, we've got to... And willing to put in that sweat equity yeah. to put, yeah. In this area, just because of the jobs, like you mentioned, we have such a huge Hispanic population. They're great with their hands. They're great workers, oh, very yeah. intelligent. I mean, they buy... They're a large uh, amount of our sales. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I I, I had um, Nick Kiefer on. He's the Goshen yeah. Chamber of Commerce. And he said Goshen specifically has a housing issue because there's so many people. The market uh, inventory has been so low for so long when it should have been higher um, with the growing population. And so they're doing that big um, housing complex out by Prairie View Schools. I'm talking about over by the air, air airport. There's a huge field, and they're gonna make mm-hmm. that into like 200 homes or something. He was telling me about, oh, but it was, um, so it's. I know that this area specifically, people have been wanting, mm-hmm. and you talk about location, but a place that they can live closer to their work. Because I know people that come from South Bend, people come from Warsaw, all you know, hour away to work here in Goshen. So like. I wouldn't want to make that drive at 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. or 5 a.m. You know what I mean? So why not live closer? And then, um, yeah, there's there's a lot more in this community. It's a good community to be a part of, too. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, Goshen's very desirable. Yeah. Um, I remember a few years ago reading an article, um, and it was the second most desirable city in Indiana wow. to live in right behind Carmel. And, I mean... I think if you're living your life the right way, it's a great place to be. I mean, yeah. It's safe. It's yeah. a lot going on. Good community. Grassroots. Diverse. It's got mm-hmm. good a lot, lot of uh, art, which is really nice because there's always something happening because there's so many mm-hmm. artists and things. Yeah, I dig it. Um, <clears throat> where else do you buy a house? I mean, it's Indiana, obviously, mm-hmm. is in your name. Do you have a region or is it mainly like this area that you're focusing on? Or? Yeah, it's, it's really just Elkhart and St. Joseph County. Okay. Yeah. Because you know that. You probably know the codes and the regulations and all the fun stuff in there. As you get a little bit farther out, it's probably a lot more to travel two hours to go look at a house and find buyers in that area. So yeah, that makes sense. We've done some in Michigan City, Laporte, Niles, Edwardsburg, Plymouth, Warsaw. You know, if they if they trickle in and they make sense. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. We'll uh, we'll go look, but for the most part, that's what we target. Yeah. What What's one of the like first big win or maybe biggest win that you've had where you're like dude this was awesome like it really was uh an impactful move and then you know kind of maybe what's one of the things you're like man this was rough this was something Mm -hmm. tough to deal with get through struggle through yeah it's a good question i mean first big win i mean it's probably just the first deal i mean i just remember everyone telling me you can't do it it's not possible 
other people in real estate, wholesaling, you can't make more than a couple thousand bucks a deal. Or and I and I understand that may like sound like a lot, but you got to keep in mind you have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars just to get the deal. I mean, I think right. the average cost to get a deal right now is around anywhere from five to seven thousand dollars. Wow. So I mean, you have <clears throat> you have to take that out plus your time mm-hmm. before you even make any money. So yeah. But anyways, so getting that first deal, I mean, that, that had to be it. I, I remember it was a tough one. The guy was in foreclosure. Uh, he was really struggling. And this was when I had more time than anything. And <clears throat> I remember going down to the attorney. He was a local attorney and talking to him and just pleading the guy's case, trying to get him to stop the paperwork. And man, just finally getting the news that the attorney was going to let the sale happen. And wow. We were going to be able to get it done. I just remember walking out of the factory that day, like this is real. Let's go. Like this is this is possible. And tell my boss, like, hey, I'm going to do this. And you know, he's like, yeah. I mean, do we need to check you in somewhere? You know, is you feeling okay? You know, yeah. You realize, I mean, can't come back. You know, was in a relatively good position. You know, I'd worked my way up. Yeah. Into into leadership and. You know, yeah, it was. <laughs> he questioned your sanity for doing this. That's he did. Yeah, he was like, "This is not possible." You know, wow, it's not possible. Would, so, would that be one of the biggest adversities? Would you say it was that? Or I mean, maybe at first, but yeah. I mean, it's also probably a good time to just transition a little bit into yeah. personal side yeah. of things. So, I mean, I think that's been probably the biggest. I mean, those have definitely been the biggest adversities in my life, um, you know, that I've faced. And Would be the people saying you can't do it a lot? No, just uh, like my own struggles. Mm-hmm. So just to like go back to like my personal yeah. story and everything. We didn't really deep dive into some of those things. But yeah, so I left Cutco um, after a few years because... Um, I started really battling with drugs and alcohol uh, in college, and I started having these like manic episodes. Hmm. And I got di- diagnosed with bipolar, like dr- drug-induced bipolar. And at the time, I was I was young. I was like twenty, twenty-one. I was like, this isn't real. Whatever, just discount it. You know, didn't really think about it, but. Fell into a deep depression, um, started using drugs, selling drugs, and sales experience. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they uh, those guys. If you gave them a good, ex- you know, a good, a good experience, and they, they were, were, they left, and they felt good. You gave they them were no match. Yeah, you know, for me. <laughs> sorry, but keep, keep going. That's <laughs> no, I did have a Cutco guy make that joke. Yeah, <laughs> at one point, but yeah, I was just really living, um, living like that, struggling for for three years. And, you know, I ended up getting raided. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. And had charges pressed against me, ended up on house arrest, violated house arrest, uh, and ended up serving three years in prison. Wow. So I got out of prison in 2017. So while I was in prison, I started studying real estate and that, that was kind of where the spark first like kind of happened and I was part of a release program so I worked in the factory for years before prison then while I was in prison I was able to go work for a few months while I was doing like a transition Mm -hmm. type program and as soon as I got off house arrest the day I got off uh, the house arrest transition from prison is the day I started wow uh, doing real estate so that was you're kind of game planning it a little bit that's that's wild yeah a couple questions if that's fine sure um was it like a local prison i know there or was it like were you in some pretty high security yeah no thankfully i was local um in uh albion okay area yeah what was i mean i thought i can't imagine what that whole experience was like period i mean in some ways, our culture glorifies it. Like, there's a lot of movies about going to prison and um, mm-hmm. different things like that. Not that it's a good, but to those on the outside who've never been in it, like, what was that like? Just first day in, you know? What I mean, or even just part of that, getting all that, like, you had built this life, things were going, and then it starts to all crumble when you get raided. 
Mm-hmm. I guess there's a number of questions there, but you mind walking through some of that? Yeah. So, I, I mean, that time I was really just living in sin and debauchery. I mean, yeah. just using drugs, selling drugs, the things involved with and around those. I mean, really nothing um, to get into there. I mean, yeah. I, I had built something with Cutco. You know, I had sold over $100,000 worth of knives. I had wow. the top office in the region. Um, and I would become very successful and that's what led to the drug use Hmm. that eventually led to falling off. So, um, but yeah, prison was, I mean, not as bad as everybody thinks, I guess. I mean, just cause I was in a level one. So, I mean, I was able to, you know, do some type of work most days and, and read and it was very structured and, you know, it was definitely what I needed to really get on track with, life and my relationship with God, you know, I just really had to look at my purpose, my why, what am I, what am I doing? And, um, why really, are you here? Yeah. Re- the, yeah. Recommit to him. And I, I mean, I wish I could say that that's where the, you know, the story kind of ended, but, you know, unfortunately, you know, having the massive real estate success, recreated that pattern again to Mm. where I started struggling with that lifestyle and the drugs and the alcohol. And I, um, you know, fell into another, um, episode, uh, a few years later. Yeah. Okay. Another bipolar episode. And unfortunately, you know, damaged a lot of relationships, hurt a lot of people. And I'm grateful to God that the majority of those have, you know, been, been able to be repaired. But I mean, I still, face the consequences at, at times, even, even today of, of that. So, um, yeah, that's difficult, but you know, it's part of your story though. That's a, I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, we, we get these struggles that, you know, we, we, there's a reason why we're facing them. And I think there's, there's something to that. And when you talk about your business, you really talk about integrity. I mean, you've said that multiple times on this podcast. And so, um, when a tree creates fruit, right, it's going to bear that fruit. And so when people taste that, they'll know, you know, who you are and what you do and spend 40 minutes talking to you, it comes out pretty genuine, you know? So that's, that's a really cool thing, man. I, I, uh, <clears throat> would you say that, um, let's go back a little bit, but sure. would you say that, um, some of that manic stuff, do you think that was spiritual or was it really the drug induced pieces of it? I'm just trying to think through mm-hmm. some of that or <clears throat> both maybe. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, uh, the, the official diagnosis was drug induced. So, yeah, so I know it sounds like crazy to like most people, but it was really just marijuana. I had just, uh, use excessive use for so many months, Mm. just threw my brain chemistry off. Mm. So it was just one of those things where I guess I'm in the 1% or a couple percent of people who can like, you know, not just be couch potatoes, but (laughs) be, you know, really, I've heard Shit. I've heard that before. I mean, I, on Joe Rogan, they talk about that sometimes. Mm-hmm. That it's like edibles for sure will send people into like a totally different space, and mm-hmm. and the weed too. You know, that's that's really wow. Um, you talked a little bit about reconnecting with your faith in prison. Mm-hmm. What was your faith prior to that, and then mm-hmm. after? That'd be pretty interesting. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, I grew up in a Christian home, so I'm mm-hmm. really grateful for the support system that I had. And, you know, I gave, I gave my life to God and youth group. Uh, at least I thought I did, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't truly, um, I just kind of went through the motions and thought that was it. And, uh, but after going through what I did, it really made me realize I don't have a relationship with God. Like I thought I did. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful. I had the, the fam- my family around me to support me through that, time in prison for me to reconnect and really learn about what that was about and to give my life, uh, truly this time, uh, over to God. And, um, through that manic episode, it was the, the next one that happened, you know, after, uh, yeah, yeah, a few years ago, um, really helped me to get through that. You know, it was, um, and to be able to 
come back. You know, I'm grateful that God led me through that. It was. Do you think there was like a light, like a a light <laughs> switch turned on when you're like, as opposed like so. <clears throat> I'll, maybe I'll just speak from my experience. You know, I also grew up in the church, mm-hmm. but I had a, a pretty definitive moment where it was like, it felt like internally there was a light switch turned on. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is God. This is, this is way more real than kind of with this stuff I thought was, you know, it was through prayer and kind of mm-hmm. seeking after I'm like, Oh, actually there's a relationship here happening. Do you feel like some of that happened a little bit later or maybe at pr- in prison where you can kind of grow up around <clears throat> spiritual things or the church, but yeah, at some point you have to take it on as your own compared to just believing what your parents believe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that's similar. I mean, we all have different stories, so. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. And it, I know some people do say like, Hey, I had a moment mm-hmm. December 5th. Right. 1977 at 10, 12 AM. <laughs> it happened, yeah. you know, and yeah, I think that's very true for some people. For for me, I can't put it on, you know, a specific moment or even day, I guess I would say, um, of like, this is when it happened. But it was just gradually over time, you know. I mean, I know the day that I, you know, when I was in prison and in class and was like, all right, I'm rededicating my life to God and when it happened, but it was just such a gradual process of, of sanctification that obviously sanctification goes on for our whole lives, you know, right. Right. It's never, it's a journey. It's not never done, but I couldn't like put a, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, that's totally fine. Um, do you think that, um, so, you know, some of that stigma of coming from prison and whatnot did help, like, uh, fuel the maybe some of the just the negative thoughts you had, you know, while you're doing um, your real estate stuff, you know, kind of having that come along you or was have you felt like that's kind of been brushed off as well? Like, and let me just say this from from not meeting you at all until meeting you now, the would have never guessed you're in prison. And I think that's a lot of people are like that. You know, you don't really understand someone's past when you're first talking to them, but you're living with it. You've been living with it for, are you 32? 33. 33. So for 33 years, you've been kind of going through this um, your whole life. And so you, you live with, you know, your past all the time. And that doesn't define who you are in the future. Mm-hmm. But um, do you feel like that was a little bit of a, um, like either something that was a stumbling block or was it more of like fuel? Like that was my past. This is who I'm going to be now going forward. What was that like coming out of prison and starting this up? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely more fuel than anything. I Mm. mean, I don't, I didn't really run into a struggle. I mean, definitely for the first few years I was like, Oh, I want to like hide this. Like I don't want Mm. people to know. And then, you know, just because of the success I had, people started reaching out to me inside the real estate space. Like, Hey, will you, do a podcast about this part of your business or something. Mm. And I was like, you know what, this is an opportunity for me to share my story. I'm just going to come out with it. So um, I just started kind of talking about it and uh, really felt a lot better. And I mean, I think it's something you can get behind. I mean, I think there was one guy I called, you know, a couple months after getting started and he's like, Oh, are you the yeah, this you know, Matt. Yeah, are yeah. you the one that, you know that I saw on the arrest records three years ago or whatever? Oh, goodness. It happened one time. Yeah. It was uh, pretty funny, but... Um, <laughs> I go into that conversation. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Do you want to sell your house or no? <laughs> so, but no, that was quite a while ago. I mean, I so I think it's more so um, just... Yeah, continuing to strengthen, repair, and rebuild yeah. relationships from, um, yeah, the past and yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's uh, it's cool that you use your time and like set up a plan for where you're at now. Like that's a really cool thing to see too. Like if you're you're studying how to do this this uh, you know marketing and the the real estate pieces while you're in prison, and then now you know, 2017. So seven years later, right. You're, you're crushing it. So (laughs) that's a really cool thing too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, it's all, all Jesus for sure, man. All, all glory to him. I'm just grateful to, to be here and have the opportunity and just, 
you know, we, we give it all up to him to use. Yeah. However, you know, however he can, however he sees fit. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I had another question and now it's on my brain. It's like, it was there and then it's gone. <laughs> It'll come. It'll come. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I really appreciate you talking about that in, in going forward. Uh, yeah. Let's talk uh, a little bit more faith wise. You know, I, I, I do want to hear, um, yeah, just kind of about your journey now. Like what's, what's that? Or also what are some stuff that you can give people who, you know, for some tips on like, you've gone through some mental health stuff. You've gone through some, you know, adversity. What, what is that? What are some tips you can give people right now? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good question. It's tough. I mean, I think the, Jeez, I, I know <laughs> this table's keep knocking your table here. Um, man, do you see that uh, right there? That cask. I mean, people on the on the video can't see it, but that cask right there, uh, that keg. I would like to cut it in half and put like glass on top of it, and that'll be the podcasting table. That's okay. the that's the future right there. Yeah, that's cool. At some point, but I mean, yeah. what are we? A hundred episodes in? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and guess how long that's been sitting there? Hundred episodes. Really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, I have ideas. Sometimes I don't do them, but yeah. yeah. It happens to all of us. Yeah. Uh, man, well, I'm going to think about this one for a second, just because real Sorry. estate stuff, it's like, it's uh, it's whatever. Um, but well, we kind of talked a little, you know, I mean, you're memorizing scripture. I'm sure just spending sure. time in the word helps. If that's yeah. me, that's a little bit of my anchor is reading my devotions. I mean, I just read the Bible and that, that helps me at least consistency in my life has helped me stay towards stuff. Cause, um, life takes you on. I feel like a roller coaster. like yesterday for me was a roller coaster. I was just like one interaction after another high, low, high, low, high, low, but I'm, I'm trying to stay grounded through it all and look from a perspective that's not, uh, in the moment, because sometimes when you're in the moment, you feel a thousand different things. I'm just speaking from my experience, sure. right? But. Yeah, no, I I'm with you, and I, and I think having that that daily time is huge. And I mean, that's something I've struggled with. I mean, I still struggle with at times, um, and really only even gotten a whole lot better within the last few months when I um, brought on a spiritual coach to mm-hmm. to help guide me through some things and going through a, a plan right now that, you know, I have specific daily readings I have to do notes, mm-hmm. questions I answer on it. And that's really helped me build, um, build that momentum and, and work. It's through a routine stuff. too. You start doing the routine. Yeah. It, it, that's nice. I think not beating yourself up. I mean, it's, it sounds so cliche, but, um, you just got to get back up and, and stay positive. I mean, there were, you know, a lot of times, I mean, even recently and in the past where I've wanted to, you know, try to do positive things for others, whether it's in regards to prison ministry or different types of things or helping people. And, you know, they're like, well, I don't feel, you know, I don't think it's been long enough or, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of places where they're like, Hey, you got to be off parole for five or 10 years before we'll even, consider doing anything with you or even be able to get back in and you know that's not even been that long so you know and it's like man now i just want to give up you know on right. on seeking after trying to do this there's a kick in the shins yeah i'll just you know so i think whatever happens you just got to keep on getting back to the word and Mm-hmm. That's that's the main thing, and and having the group of people around you. I mean, we go I, we go to Gospel Community Church, and uh, I love it. Just the men's group. We meet every thir- every Thursday morning, uh, six thirty to seven thirty at the Martins, uh, across from Concord High School. So nice. Anyone wants to come out, please do. It's uh, having those people around, just being able to support you and and talk about stuff. I mean. You know, I would just isolate myself. I think mm. um, we've go, we've gone through a lot of isolation recently too, as a culture. Great. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah and th- and that's when during those COVID times, that's when I had um, my you know kind of my relapse, my my mm-hmm. struggles, and it, it was um, it, it was tough. You know, because it was like I had choices to make. You know, am I gonna mm-hmm. gonna say all right, this is life, this is me, this is um, 
how I'm going to, you know, this is just how it is. I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. I need to just live with it or, you know, am I going to try to, to beat it again? And yeah. Do you, do you think some of that, um, the relapse was, I mean, you're running a whole business. I feel like that's pretty heavy too. Like most of us work inside of, I speak for the people who are listening now, it's not true, but most of us work inside of an organization. So the weight of paying everyone, right. And making sure you got the next sale and making sure you got everything moving and all the wheels are on your shoulders, you know, like, um, it's kind of heavy. Yeah. And then not only do you have a business, you've got a family and then that's heavy too. Cause you got to provide for them, do all that stuff. Do you think some of that may have added to it or, you know, you just, you you've built this, this bridge and things just start weighing on it heavier and heavier and heavier and it break, you know? Or, yeah. You know. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a good analogy. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a big part of it. I mean, you're running the, the business, um, there's a lot of money in and money out. It's just mm. a cash heavy business. And yeah, there, at that point in time, I had a, a bigger team, um, and people that I was responsible for. Now I run a really small ship. I've just got one operations coordinator and then I actually brought a partner on Rob, nice. uh, who you may see on TV with me or I think I saw some or, or Facebook bloopers yeah. or whatever yeah. on the, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's a good guy. So that's relieved a ton of stress, nice. but, and, and also at that same time we had a miscarriage. So that was, mm-hmm. that was a big struggle. You know, that was our honeymoon baby. Yeah. Um, so that, that's that, the roller coaster right there, yeah. right? You're hitting that way low. And just getting hit with a billion different things. Wow, that's... Yeah, and then COVID came and that, you know, really yeah. hit our business hard. And it, it was a lot of things that at once and, you know, you stop taking your medication and you mm-hmm. just really totally go off. So, yeah, it's... Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, you said COVID, um, I'm going to go back to COVID a little bit. So what what did that do? What, how did that change your industry mm-hmm. a bit? Because, I mean, we've seen houses go ridiculous yeah, the opposite of what everybody thought you know i was at the time i was a part of a mastermind group that was um pretty popular and pretty expensive it was the top you know investors uh in the country and don't get me wrong i was not one of those people yeah but you're was, learning and yeah i was definitely the the bottom the bottom guy there just grateful to to be there but all these guys are telling me like hey it's over fire everybody, you know, wow. get ready for the end times. Not, wow. not biblically, but just like, yeah. we don't know what's going to happen, you know, get rid of, sell everything. So I sold all my property, get rid of everybody. And next thing you know, property prices are shooting through the roof. Oh, wow. And, you know, so it was like the total, total opposite. Um, so definitely uh, made some big mistakes there. And, and honestly, almost did a complete reset. I mean, I, I really lost uh, honestly, everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, cause you thought it was going to go even farther down. Yeah. I, I, I started back, um, you know, in 21 with, with nothing. Wow. No houses, no money. And <laughs> wow. Yeah. Completely. But you have knowledge and skill and you've done it a bunch, but wow, that's tough. Especially now that you see how much places are going. I know. Trust me. It's hard to look back at some of those houses and be like, geez, that's worth that much four times what it was yeah a few years ago do you see the bubble shifting a little bit yeah i mean that's a great question i, I don't know i'm sure people ask you this all the time too like <sighs> yeah and i mean people think i'm smart and i'm i'm really not i'm <laughs> i'm uh, scott's so. <laughs> grace it's beautiful yeah i know it's all oh god helping helping me and having great people in my life i'm um i just listen to other people who are who are good and do what they say um it's hard to say. I mean, I think interest rates are going to drop a little bit more just with yeah. it being an election year. I think they're going to, for the, for the, for the bad guys, for them to have any chance, um, they're going to have to get the, get the rates down. Yeah. And so I think that'll happen. And then I think it really depends who gets in office and if that shifts gets in thing. office on, yeah. on whether things go up I or think down. A lot of people are kind of just holding with bated yeah. breath until see what happens. What's the, How's it going to move? Yeah. I mean, if you look historically, we're due for some type of reset, you know, drop off. <laughs> yeah. But, but from most of the people I've talked to that are smart or no housing 
or things I've read is that they feel like housing prices are going to stay about the same. I mean, we saw a little bit of, we've already seen it stabilize yeah. over the last year. That 7% year, six months or so. Yeah. Really slowed things down. Things were sitting, things weren't overselling. So, I mean, I think they already have stabilized. Will they drop off? I don't know. I mean, it's something new that causes that type of stuff every time. So I don't know. It's always tough around election year. What's going to happen for sure. Yeah. These four years, this we live in a roller coaster of a country too. It's like, Oh, who knows what's going to happen? Um, yeah, that's. I I wondered if if uh, yeah if things were changing. I've just seen all the prices go up crazy, and you hear the stories of yeah I offered it for two hundred thousand. Someone came in for twenty thousand dollars over or whatever. You know, ten percent more, and just cash in hand. And you're like, oh wow, this this is different than what used to be. Yeah. What was kind of how it was, but um, yeah, yeah, it's it's wild. I I know uh, I have. Uh, a friend who's a real estate, or actually a cousin who does real estate, and my baby does real estate too. Everyone I know <laughs> does baby. But um, they were talking about how in Goshen specifically, a lot of the prices are inflated because of the Amish. So they'll pump the maybe price per acre up a lot more. Now, maybe not so much houses, but just land specifically because yeah. the Amish need those two, three, four, five acres, six, eight, ten acres to even just. Yeah, Live. I can see that more in like areas bordering Goshen. Yeah, just for the record, I am uh, pro Amish, uh, <laughs> so I don't know what's going to happen to this guy <laughs> yeah. after this episode. Uh, if you don't hear from me, I did not make it out of Timmins' basement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, how do you yeah, know? I, I think I'm, the Amish are doing great things yeah. in the community, and <laughs> yeah, are you familiar with the Amish wave? Were you? Two fingers up, or the you know what I mean. I make <laughs> so, sure anytime I see an Amish person, I give them the wave because I'm not trying to disrespect them in their yeah. land. So. No, my best friend's actually uh, ex-Amish. Really? So, um, yeah. No, he's oh. the assistant director at Adult and Teen Challenge, and oh cool. Uh, we do a lot with them. Matt Slayball, he's a awesome guy. So yeah, is my, he married to Jolene? He is not. Okay, so there's a different. But message. there's probably a hundred yeah, Matt well, Slayballs. Say Slayball, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lots of slave owners. Yoder, so. Miller, right? Yeah, there's a lot of Amish. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, the the, the ex Amish piece is really interesting too. There's a lot of that influence in Goshen, mm. and again, not being from Goshen originally, it's I didn't know that where you're from. Kind of uh, California. I mean, I moved here when I was like three, okay. so I mean, majority lived in Goshen, but um, it's just really unique to not have those roots in the Mennonite world. Are you, is your family, I mean, Vukovic is not. No, so my dad's family was Croatia. Okay. My mom was born in the Netherlands. Oh, okay. So she was born in Holland. Yeah. yeah. That's very cool. My wife's from, her family's Dutch. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's there's a connection there. Yeah, that's, uh, I do have, a, so here's another question for you. With, with uh, we can stop asking questions here soon. Actually, I'm, we're a little bit over. Um, but with the fact that you're, you you're running your own business does that give you a lot of flexibility you know one you don't have to um i know when you you go and apply someplace you have to let them know if you're a felon or if you've been you know all that stuff that's probably alleviated a lot of that and it puts it on your shoulders i mean we already talked about that but how nice is that how much flexibility do you have as being your own business owner or are you just busy all the time yeah no that's a great question i mean and that was the other thing that led up to the issue during COVID was just working hmm. 60, 70 hours a week. And I mean, when I first started, I was working probably a hundred hours a week. I wow. mean, it was insane. I mean, it was just me before I started adding on a couple people. So that dropped down to 90 to 80, but it never really got lower than 60 to 70. Oh, wow. <clears throat> so, you know, the last year and a half, I've probably been closer to, 30 to 40. Nice. And now with bringing Rob on, you know, it's under 20. So um, that is really nice. I mean, I just hand, I handle the marketing and <clears throat> the PR. I get to go on fancy podcasts. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. You know. Are you still um, going checking out the houses or? No, no? Rob, Rob, Rob takes That's a look awesome. at the houses and makes the offers. And um, he also makes a big buck. So, I mean, I yeah. definitely took a. Well, you got to incentivize someone to, to do, do the sales. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah and, and he's a partner. So, I mean, he's not yeah. an employee. He's a, um, 
Yeah, so he That's cool. Yeah, we've got a nice setup where he gets the majority of the deals and the income, I do the marketing and um you know, make a good team. It allows me to be home with my two little girls. Yeah. That's super two valuable. Two girls under two. <laughs> yeah. And And you're wife. not going to see those moments in life again right. from those young ones. Like you, you're getting a glimpse of, and they're ever changing so quick. I mean, that's where I'm in right now. It's like every moment I have extra, it's like, this is sweet because mm-hmm. you're never going to be this little learning how to crawl, learning how to talk, all that stuff mm-hmm. again, you know? So yeah, that's really nice to have that. Mm-hmm. To have that, yeah. What? Let's talk. Can we just do a little bit of marketing real quick? Because you sure. said some stuff that yeah. I thought was really fascinating. You talked about what the price of cost to even get a sale, um, and that's how I saw a lot of your stuff. Maybe because I clicked on your Facebook page, I got more ads or remarketing or mm-hmm. redirects. But what's what is your marketing strategy away from the sweat equity, the letters now to the digital? How does that all look for you guys? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the majority of money we spend on TV now, okay. so running t- ads on TV, um, and then after that would probably be <clears throat> social media, yeah, uh, Google, and just yeah, online mm-hmm. in general. Um, that's really all that we do, all that we focus on. So just creating content. I mean, we want to help people. Uh, regardless of whether they buy from us or not, we want to put content out there that's going to help people with their property, how to add value to their house. Um, we're we're looking into starting uh, when the weather warms up here in March and April, doing like a monthly meetup, not with um, you know like investors like most meetups, but with homeowners, just mm. who people who have questions about real estate or whatever just anything in general how can we help and um, yeah. do things provide so, value to yeah you. that's mm-hmm. that's really what we're about you know we, w- we want to help people um so that's that's kind of our focus yeah. that's our focus this year and we, we also started doing first fridays oh yeah so i know goshen's does that i think south bend does it um, but every first friday we have a charity drive um so we're doing gym town pantry oh cool uh, in march and we did them in february too but we're just partnering with local charities and we're boosting uh, those videos on social media, trying to gain attention yeah. uh, for them. Um, so just trying to, the goal is to get more involved in the community this year. That's really our focus. And now that Rob's running the appointments, it's allowing me to to do more of yeah, that. Handshake and kiss babies. and uh, right. Well, I think when, when you're talking about how you differentiate yourself from your competitors, it's that personal touch, mm. that experience, and that that's cool that you guys are heading that direction. Mm. What what? Um, how many times? I mean, I don't know if you have these statistics, but how many times is someone looking at your Facebook post before they give you a call? Or you mentioned you can tell who who calls by the billboard or by by, by TV. How do you make those metrics? How do you make sure it makes yeah. sense? Because a TV buy is expensive, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I'd love to kind of hear some of that. Yeah, different phone numbers oh. is is the main is the easy way to do that. It. Makes total sense. Yeah, and it just goes into the CRM, so it's yeah. super easy to track. You just look at the report. Yeah. The only crossover is we started. We did the billboards, and I wasn't sure if we were going to go back on TV because we had paused for a little while, mm-hmm. and we did go back on TV. So there's a slight crossover because that number is the same. Yeah. But outside of that, you know, we have thirty, forty numbers for every type of different marketing we've ever done and we can track and see where that's cool all the leads come from so we know what to start stop do more of yeah is this working is it not you probably pay a lot of attention to it too because mm-hmm. yeah you're, you gotta get the most optimized mm-hmm. right and if no one's watching tv anymore and you're spending big bucks on that well let's optimize it this way mm-hmm. that's fascinating well very cool matt i mean we've gone an hour plus now so i know you only had a little bit. I don't want to take up too much of your time. And so I appreciate you coming on. And where can people find you at? Like, what's a, what's a good call to action? Or, or not call to action, but place, places to find you? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I uh, So I got off social media, ironically, probably <laughs> three years ago. That's smart. Maybe. So, um, you know, you can find me in Timmins basement <laughs> maybe once a year. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, wandering the streets of Goshen. Uh, 
I don't know. You can find us on Facebook. So Matt buys Indiana houses. Uh, if you do want to reach out to me, uh, Heather will get back to you and yeah. love to have a conversation about whatever business, life, Jesus, uh, anything. Um, so yeah, I would say Matt buys Indiana houses, Facebook, uh, or Instagram for, for whatever situation. I'll link them in the show notes. So if you want to go and find Matt, there'll be a little link that can go on Facebook, Instagram. I'll put your, your email as well. So yeah. Cool. And you said six thirty, seven thirty on what day in Concord? Martin? Uh, Thursday morning. Thursday morning. We'll find him there too. So very that's cool. true. Yeah. That, well, I guess maybe I shouldn't have put that out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's where so we'll put somebody, the big bar with the bleep. <laughs> yeah. Somebody can come find me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Matt, man, thank you so much. And I appreciate yeah. you telling your story. Like it was, that's really cool that, you know, what, what I hear from it is it, it's part of your life. There's no shame in it. And I think there's a lot of people who need to hear stuff like this. Because um, we're facing adversity in ways that we've never faced before in different ways. And so to hear these stories helps you know that, okay, people are going through struggles all the time. And I'm not living in this isolated world by myself. And if I can see Matt crushing it in, but being real, mm-hmm. you know, that's helpful to a lot of people. And people need to hear these stories. So I really thank you. Thank you for coming on and yeah, just sharing, you. sharing your story and sharing your heart and talking about all my crazy, crazy questions about houses and stuff. So Anytime. cool. All right. We'll catch you guys on the next Timmons podcast. Peace.